Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil for the secrets of WCW Nitro. Hey, and welcome to a new edition of Two Out of Three Falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find this podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. You can download, rate, comment, and subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also find Two Out of Three Falls t-shirts on prowrestlingtees.com. Again, prowrestlingtees.com slash cruise control. And you'll be also you can also become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash cruise control. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash cruise control. I am joined by Mr. Mark Rimondi from MMAfighting.com. He was out in Vegas, T Mobile Arena this weekend covering UFC 229, Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Mark Ramondi, MMAfighting.com. My man, how you doing? What's up, Randy? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I, I, I've heard you had a pretty busy, uh, interesting weekend in Vegas, huh? Did something happen no, out there? No, not really. It was it was actually pretty low key, real mellow. Nothing, nothing really major happened. Just a regular uh, night of UFC fights. So nothing happened. No extracurricular activities. Just straightforward, good time in Vegas, huh? Yeah, just a just a regular night, no big deal. <laughs> Listen, man, um, you know, two two nine happened, and once I seen everything happen and unfolding, I was like, man, next week I gotta have Mark on this show to to, to talk about it. it. You know, people can laugh about it, people can be very very serious about it. Um, when I saw it could be jump over the octagon and and go into the crowd, my first thought was, oh my god, I hope he's not trying to hit Mark outside. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was, I was, I was safe and sound. I don't think he had any beef with me uh, this time. But uh, this time, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy uh, situation, man. It was, it was chaos in the moment, and uh, in the moment, it seemed like it was. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was scary. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was. Uh, it seemed at the time that it was very serious, and then you know things got broken up, and uh, you know a couple of days later, I, I have a little bit more of a. Uh, sense of humor about what happened but in the moment it mm. was it was uh it was dead it was dead serious uh, they, those those guys were not messing around so you know you said well Khabib doesn't have any beef with you this time like did you have beef with him before no no i'm just i'm just joking oh, around i'm i'm pretty i'm uh, in <laughs> pretty good standing with uh with both with both camps um i do want to get your thoughts on the fight, the the fight overall. You know, everybody talk about what happened afterwards, and, and uh, they're kind of overlooking the actual fight. Um, what did you make of the actual fight, and who did you have going into this fight? I kind of went back and forth about who I thought would win. I did my my final prediction was McGregor winning, but obviously uh, everyone saw a path for for Habib, and and what happened is is pretty much along that path of finish late in the fight 
a lot of people thought that's that's what would happen. It didn't go exactly uh, as many people thought because McGregor did mount a comeback in the third round and he was able to uh, win that round and, and land some shots. But right. that, that was really his chance. That was his window opportunity in that third round. And if he had landed maybe uh, you know a fight changing blow. Uh, big punch he- here or there it, it could have changed the the landscape of what was going on in the octagon but he wasn't able to do it habib came back in the fourth round took him down again and ended up putting on uh it wasn't really a choke it was more of like a like a face or, or neck crank mm. but, uh, submitted him in the fourth round and then all hell broke loose but certainly i mean a, a, a i wouldn't say a completely dominant performance by habib but certainly a complete comprehensive performance and uh and, and an impressive win now did it come down to Khabib just being the better fighter or the fact that people are going to say, well, this is the first fight McGregor has had in the UFC in two years. So is, is it kind of both or just more so a dominant performance by Khabib? Well, I mean, it's Khabib is, is the exact worst style matchup for a guy like McGregor. He is just an impressive wrestler. He's one of the best wrestlers in MMA in the entire sport and and in that division he has won a lot of fights against a lot of tough guys with that wrestling and everyone knew that was going to be a huge problem for McGregor because he's a, he's a striker you know he, he grew up a boxer he's a great kickboxer he's got great power but uh, the wrestler has always been the kryptonite for the striker and that is and that is what happens and that was that was what a lot of people did expect as far as who's the better fighter i I think mcgregor did get affected by that layoff a little bit Mm -hmm. i don't think he had the same kind of pop and 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 kind of bouncing a step i thought a little bit something was missing but that doesn't mean i don't think Khabib would win if they if they ran it back again yeah because you know dana white was on first take yesterday and said you know connor has already called him to to get that rematch now do we get that rematch right away uh maybe not or maybe um if there is a rematch does it does it become uh does it happen quick like nate diaz and mcgregor rematch was or do you you think we kind of wait a while that's a good question i don't i don't know what the ufc is thinking about about as far as the rematch goes I'll tell you one thing. It's insane, and it's been everywhere. I mean, every everywhere you look, you turn on television, you see it. So it would be it would, uh, putting those guys together again would make a massive amount of money, and and it would be very tempting for the UFC to do that. For McGregor, I don't know if that's the best move. I, I really don't. I, I I don't know if uh, going right into another Habib fight would would make the most sense because if you you don't want to go zero and two against him right away, you know it would it would be nice to get. It would be nice to get, I mean, and also a loss against Mayweather. So then he, he'd really be 0-3 in his last three fights. So you, it, would, it would be nice to get like a, a tune-up fight, another another fight in there. But McGregor seems like a guy who wants tune-up fights. He wants to, you know, he wants to, to take on the, the biggest challenge or the biggest money. And this one would be that. So I, I could see why he wants the rematch. Uh, I don't know. And Habib, you know, I can see him not wanting the rematch. I think he probably wants to be done with this guy, but I'm sure the money would be very tempting. The UFC right. would, would would try to to if that's what they wish to do, they would try to reel him in with a, a boatload of money that he that he very well deserves. Because I mean, he, he he's he's the guy. He's the man. So yeah, uh, I, I think they probably I have a feeling they probably will do it. I just don't know if it's the right move for McGregor. Are fans from like your end kind of saying, well? You know, all the attention is now on the 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 aftermath and the melee, and not really pertaining to, you know, uh, could be really kicking McGregor's ass. Are, are you feeling like the, the more more light should be shined on the actual fight than what happened afterwards? 
Well, certainly in the mainstream, what everyone is talking about is is the brawl and not the fight. And that's unfortunate because uh, Habib did win. He, Habib did exactly what he said he was going to do. He he won a like I said, it was a complete performance. He won. He even knocked my record down with the with the with the right hand at one point. So he even won you know portions of the striking in the first and second round. He 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 was very impressive. And it is it is a bit of a shame that no one is talking about. I shouldn't say no one, but but the the casual fans and the mainstream media are not talking about how good how, just how good of a of a fighter he is. But I mean that is partly his blame, you know, his blame as well because he's the one who jumped into uh, to McGregor's corner at the end there. So it's uh it's just a crazy thing. Uh, again, a rematch I think would would be absolutely massive. But another thing to note is that like McGregor's team, I, I feel like McGregor's team is very much promoting a fight in there, and I think McGregor is a promoter, mm. and I think he's he's very good at, at talking up and selling a fight. Right, Habib is not out here selling a fight. That that's mm. a, that's a real that's a real dude. He's he's a dangerous guy. He's he's not messing around. He's not he's not joking. He's he's very serious. And uh, none none of none of what McGregor said, he, he he was able to write off as just fight promotion. He's not he's not that kind of guy. Yeah, because there, there's even a video that, that I seen online that they were tangled up uh, in the corner, and you know McGregor McConnor kind of say you know this is all business and like real quick, very very low, and and it kind of went away. So basically. You know, if he if he telling Khabib that in the ring that whatever he's doing outside is not it's it just all for show. I mean, yeah, throwing a, a barricade at a bus may be on some different stuff, but you know, like you said, Connor is a showman. Khabib ain't really, you know, he he's he's about going out there kicking your ass and that's it. And I mean, and then we 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 saw that on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't know what that was. I don't know what the context of that clip was. I did see it myself. Mm. I'm not sure if that's what he was talking about, McGregor. It's it's impossible to know what came before that. So I I really don't know what what the context was. So I can't I can't really I don't want to speculate as to what he meant by that. But yeah, uh, McGregor McGregor is is a showman. McGregor is a guy that's going to sell the hell out of the fight. Mm-hmm. He's going to really make you want to watch either him win or get his ass kicked. And Habib is just a, a tough dude who's been wrestling his whole life in the mountains of Dagestan, who who is like born and bred to do what he's doing now, and he's really not. And he and he rolls with a. I mean, he, again, these guys are not. They're not there to promote a fight. They're they're there to get into a fight, and they're there to beat the, the mm-hmm. hell out of you. And uh, McGregor may have may have underestimated that that yeah. instinct that Habib and his team has. Well, before we get into you know into any rematch talk or what's the next fight for Conor and, and Khabib, they got to go in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission and try to find out one if Khabib is going to be stripped of the title, two is he going to fight in Nevada ever again? They're also looking to Conor and his actions uh, when people jumped in into the octagon. So, where are we at now? Do you think he gets stripped stripped of the title? And if he doesn't. Uh, who's kind of next in line for both Connor and Khabib? He's definitely not getting stripped of the title. There's no way. Dane White said it today. He's not getting stripped. The commission okay. does not decide anything about belts. Belts are, are the creation of promoters, not the commission. Mm-hmm. So it would it would be up to the UFC and Dana White said today that Khabib is not getting stripped. I do think Khabib will get fined and suspended. I don't know how long the suspension will be. I'd be surprised if it was more than six months. Uh, I think McGregor will get fined. I don't know if he'll get suspended. Maybe a very short suspension, but that'll that'll be it. If they don't, if they don't run back the rematch, I think that 
what's next for Habib is very likely Tony Ferguson, who mm-hmm. won in the co-main event on Saturday night against Anthony Pettis. Yeah. Then that will be an extremely fun fight. Tony Ferguson is a, pre- is a pretty bad dude himself. That would be a really good fight. And uh, for McGregor, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. If, if it's not Habib, it might be some more time off. It, it could be getting back into uh, you know the lightweight division and facing someone in there. But it feels like he, he's only going to be in big main event level fights. So it's hard to see him going in there and fighting a contender at lightweight who's not not a big name. So I, I don't know. Maybe he goes and boxes Pauli Malignaggi. I, I have no idea, man. I'm not sure what is next. I think that the Habib match is probably most likely, but I, I don't I don't I do not know if that's not what if that's not what they do. I'm not sure what McGregor has on, on his plate next. Now any event there is a rematch, um do you do you kind of see it where, you know, when it came to Connor and Nate Diaz, Connor lost the first one, won the second one. Um did not look all that great in part one, but looked a lot better in part two. If we see a rematch between Connor and Khabib, do you kind of see any similarities where Connor now on Saturday got his got his, his his ass kicked, but now comes back more smarter, more in shape, and kind of knows the ins and outs of the uh, Khabib's fighting style? I do. I think so. I think he he's a very smart fighter, and he is very analytical. To the point where when he was at, right after the Nate Diaz fight, the first one, he was in the press conference and he, he said he had already watched the fight back a couple of times already and knew exactly what he had to do to beat Diaz the second time. And I feel like that's probably what's happening again now. I, I, now, that, that I, I do think he'll have a better performance if they do run it back uh, next. I don't know if that means he'll win or not. But I do think that he is the kind of fighter who, who makes adjustments and who makes improvements. It's just a, that, that that wrestling of, of, of Habib, though, is just like mm-hmm. you don't six, six six months is not is not enough of a differential to, to, to make that up. It's just Habib, Habib is just too damn good at it. And, and there's no one uh, he's been doing it his entire life. And it's a, it's a lot for a guy to come back and train for six months and try to stop that wrestling. I mean, um, I'm not saying McGregor's going to retire tomorrow or anytime soon, but you know, you're a fan. You cover the sport for such a long time, and uh, these guys and and these, and these females go in there. They have their runs, and then they leave. But McGregor, how much longer do you see him being at the top of his game? Are we are we light years away from that, or do you kind of see the runway? You know, you just mentioned it. Now, any fight he does is going to be big time events. Um, how much longer do you see Connor at the top of his game? That's a good question. I think uh, it's. I think to put it this way, I think that his next fight is probably the, the the most important fight of his career. May not be the biggest fight of his career, but it might be the most important fight of his career because if he's if he, if he loses that fight, he it could be uh, you know a Ronda Rousey type situation where he he steps away and he maybe does movies and he's obviously still has a lot of money. He's got his whiskey now, so that's a possibility. Yeah. But uh, if he if he wins his next fight and it's an impressive showing, you know, then there's more money to be made. I, I still think he I still think he'll end up boxing Floyd Mayweather at some point down the road. I really do. So uh, again, and uh, maybe even a Manny Pacquiao is to beat Mayweather. I mean, who knows? There's still many many options for him to make a ton of money in fighting. So I think I think he'll fight in, for the foreseeable future. But if he loses his next fight, there are there are major questions. Hey, I tell you, man, you know, me and you watch wrestling. We kind of cover it at the same time here and there. But, I, you know, UFC 229 has some better storylines than what we see in pro wrestling nowadays, man. 
Oh, I mean, and, and Conor McGregor is <laughs> is better at pro wrestling than anyone in WWE. <laughs> he is at pro wrestling. He's a better promo. He's mm. he's better at building, st- telling a story, and how he promotes a fight. He's he's the he's the best. He's the best on the mic that there is right now in on the planet. So yeah, a hundred percent. This is a better storyline, and, and he's a better promoter and a, and a better salesman of a fight than anyone that WWE has, and, and has had for a long time. Yeah, but Mark, it, it could be better than Kenny Omega and Okada. I mean, as a, as a, as a fighter or as a, prom, as a promoter of fights. As, as he a, doesn't promote much, but he's the perfect foil for a guy like McGregor who is going to talk a lot. And then you have this scary as hell Russian dude just staring back at him. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good combination. And that's why, and that's why I'm, I'm certain that mm-hmm. Saturday night was the, was the most lucrative night uh, in UFC history as far as a UFC pay-per-view goes. You know what's so funny? I, I was just going to ask you, is UFC 229 the most no, uh, notable show or pay-per-view in UFC history because of the actual card or because of what, what happened at the end? I think, I think the pay-per-view probably sold... Uh, did the best numbers that any other UFC pay-per-view has ever done. I think that even before the whole brawl, and I think that the brawl will only help them. And people are saying, oh, the ball, the, the, it's a black mark on the sport. Yeah, right. Dana White is secretly loving it behind the scenes because he knows that if they do that rematch, it'll do one of the biggest numbers ever. It could approach uh, you know, the May- you know, Mayweather's numbers, I think, if they do the rematch. Two out of three falls. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. My man, uh, Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report, as always, is joining me. He's on Twitter at Russell Ranch. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Graham, my man, how you doing? What's going on, Randy? Happy to be back here on the show to discuss and break down the ever-exciting, highly anticipated Super Showdown event That's right. last Saturday in Australia. Of course, I'm kidding, but... How can you not be looking forward to Crown Jewel coming up next month, Randy? Oh, you mean Crown Jewel, a.k.a. the King of the Ring. A.k.a. the (laughs) Saudi Arabian King of the Ring, essentially. Yes, the 2003 version of King of the Ring featuring John Cena, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Mm -hmm. and fucking Kurt Angle. That's not a SmackDown versus Raw 2006 roster. I don't know what is. Oh, plus you're going to have DX, Kane, Undertaker. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. This is looking real 2005 Ruthless Aggression. Hey, Trish Stratus and Lita are wrestling later on this month. They got the entire yeah. fucking Ruthless Aggression roster on uh, on tap at Crown Jewel. Look at that. Mickey James. Come on, man. <laughs> we were adding up here. I know. We're exactly. They're really cracking. And we're talking about the old era, the old guard. Hey, they're all being brought back in waves. Who cares about the current guys? Let's bring back <laughs> all the Attitude Era guys. Now, Ruthless Aggression. Huzzah. Oh, man. Um, did you did you watch Super Showdown at like the the night owl time, but five o'clock in the morning, or more like a decent time, like ten, eleven, twelve o'clock in the afternoon? Hey, you know what? I'm not going to call anyone stupid for getting up that early. If you were here on the East Coast like I am and you would have had to watch it at 5 o'clock, I'm not going to say you were dumb for getting up that early to watch Mm -hmm. that show, but you were kind of sort of dumb for getting up that early to watch that show. You had to know going in that it was going to be a glorified house show, and that's exactly what it ended up being. So, no, I did not watch it as it aired live. I think I checked mm. it out around 9, 10 o'clock, finished it a few hours later, skipped through all the entrances and video packages, all this stuff that didn't really matter. Uh, thankfully, it was a four-hour show. Most matches got the time they deserved. There were 10 matches on the card, so right. it felt like a little mini SummerSlam slash WrestleMania. I mean, it felt like one in terms of the audience size and the arena, in terms of match meaning, like the matches meaning anything and just overall significance from a storyline standpoint, 
It was a completely pointless show. Completely pointless. And there were a few pretty good matches, mm -hmm. but overall, I would, I mean, a few people asked me who did not see the show on Saturday, they asked me, is it worth going back to watch? I said, maybe a few matches. By and large, don't waste your time. It's not, it's not worth your time. Um, but no, I watched it a little later on on Saturday. I'm glad I did not get up early enough to watch it live because I would have definitely regretted that decision. Well, you know, it felt like if more, more it felt like nine matches with um, Daniel Bryan and the Miz going two and a half minutes there. That was kind of a waste. I was not happy with yeah, that. Um, I'm not sure. I was going to say maybe one of them might be injured, but I doubt that's the case. Um, it was likely because they got to the end of the show. And they realized, oh, shit, we only have an hour left. We need to devote an entire 60 minutes to the fucking Undertaker and, and Triple H. That's right. Which it was. I'm like, so Brian and Miss starts at like, I'm watching on my phone. It starts at like the three hour and 45 minute mark. I'm sorry, the two hour and 45 minute mark. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to go for a solid half hour before they devote an entire 45 minutes to Taker and Triple H. But no, the match was over before the three hour mark. And they devoted a legit half hour, or an, an entire hour, rather, to Triple H and The Undertaker. Um, and a half hour for the match itself, at least 10 or 15 minutes for the post-match stuff, at least 15 minutes for the entrances, another 5, 10 minutes for the video packages. Good God, it was a waste of time. I saved so much time fast-forwarding through half of that stuff I just mentioned. Probably should have fast-forwarded through the match, too, because it was pure trash. But um, that's purely my opinion. But, yeah, Damn. Brian and Miz going all of two and a half minutes was a major disappointment. But based off what we saw in SmackDown tonight, I would imagine that the feud is not yet over. Well, before we get to the classic between Triple H and The Undertaker, um, we did have a few other matches. We had the New Day retain the tag belts against Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, nothing really to talk about there unless you want to butt it and add in. Um, Charlotte Flair defeated Becky Lynch by DQ. And Becky is still SmackDown Women's Champion. Also, we're taping this on a Tuesday. So we've seen them have a rematch on SmackDown. And now they're going to have a last woman standing match at the Evolution pay-per-view. So one more time, Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Um, I was watching the baseball playoff game. And I kept seeing on my Twitter timeline that they had, a, a, I think, a damn near half-hour match on SmackDown. Um, that's going to lead up to this last women's standing match. Um, how was that match on SmackDown between Charlotte and Becky Lynch? It was great. Honestly, it was even better than the Super Showdown match. Once again, rendering that glorified house show totally irrelevant. That's what I'm saying. Like They had at least three different rematches from... Super Showdown on TV this week between the Shield, mm -hmm. Strowman, Ziggler, McIntyre match, the six-woman tag team match on Raw as well with Rousey and the Bella Twins and the Riot Squad, mm -hmm. and then Charlotte and Becky on SmackDown. Like you said, they devoted an entire, maybe not 30 minutes to the match itself, but like I was watching SmackDown, and they open up. I don't think they even show the entrances. They might have, but I know... I, I was like maybe a minute or so tuning in late and they just showed them in the middle of the ring after hyping up what was on tap for the rest of the show. They were already in the ring they just kicked it off. They went through like two or three commercial breaks and they had a great match. It was really, really enjoyable. Um, the non-finish I was completely fine with. If anything, I kind of expected it based off what we saw on Sunday and the fact that Evolution's coming up in two, three weeks. It would have been dumb to deliver a clean finish on this show. Um, yeah, they brawl to a double countdown. As you said, Randy, at, at Evolution in a couple weeks, they have a last woman standing match, which is history-making because it's going to be the first ever 
right. in the main roster's history. And I think Paige clarified that, too, because they have had one other, um, that being an NXT. Um, it kind of gets overlooked quite often. It was on an episode of NXT TV about almost about a year ago with Asuka and Nikki Cross. Um, I don't, it was very random, but it was a great match for those who have never seen it for the NXT Women's Championship around the time of like June 2017. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the first time on the main roster, we're having a last woman standing match. I figured it was either that or like, you know, uh, not steel cage. We've seen that before, but like a ladder match. I know we've had women's Money in the Bank ladder matches, but we've never had a one-on-one women's ladder match before in WWE, unless I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, But this is just as good. I'm looking forward to that. Becky and Charlotte have amazing chemistry. Right. Despite the fact that Becky and Charlotte are both miscast right now, at least Becky's making the most of her current run as SmackDown Women's Champion, as a heel, and the feud's been great so far. So I'm looking forward to that next rematch at Evolution coming up in a few weeks. Then we get to Bobby Lashley and John Cena defeating Elias and Kevin Owens, and that was on Saturday. And now we turn to Monday on Raw is seeing Bobby Lashley and Kevin Owens make this double turn, um, with uh, between Bobby and Kevin Owens. So it seems like Bobby is now gonna go in the heel mode. Kevin Owens without, I would assume, be the good guy out of all this. So, um, the match is okay. I for me, I would have thought that. If they wanted to keep Elias and Kevin Owens as heels um, after their promo in Seattle, which got the crowd all hot, that they would continue that. But, you know, with John Cena, Lashley, John Cena there in Australia, they were going to fly him all the way out there and make him lose. So they won the match. Lashley turns. uh, They both turn, Lashley and Kevin Owens. Uh, What did you make of the match on Saturday? And I, I would assume the double turn on Monday on Raw. The match on Saturday, as you would probably expect, was a complete waste of time. Um, house show main event, any, any, essentially any house show tag team match you have ever seen is exactly what that match was. Lashley was getting beat up for like 10 minutes straight by Elias and Owens before Cena got the hot tag, hit all of his signature spots, didn't take a single bump before hitting Elias with the AA. The sixth move of doom or whatever the hell that was that he hit Elias with before winning the match. Yeah. Um, then he said, oh, I don't know what my future holds, even though the fact that he's fucking back a month later at Crown Jewel. So I don't know what the point of that promo was. He made it seem like, oh, I don't know if I'll be back. I might be retiring. We've heard this a million times from this guy. And he's back literally the very next fucking month. So it would have been one <laughs> thing like if he announced himself for the, for the tournament coming up because he got at it anyway. Yeah. Where's his qualifying match? Like, he just fuck, got fucking at it because he's John Cena. What? Stupid. That's right. But, yeah, the match was a waste of time. Um, I did like what they did on Monday. It left me wondering, and maybe I already know the answer to my own question, but um, I was thinking, why not just turn Bobby heel on Saturday? Like, I'm thinking, why not just have him attack John Cena, who is a certified babyface? But then True. I'm thinking in my mind, maybe in doing that, it would have gotten Bobby cheered by the Australian crowd, who clearly had no love loss for John Cena. It was not completely anti-Cena, but there were a lot of Cena detractors in the crowd on Saturday. So maybe that's why they didn't do it then. It would have seemed to make more sense. I was hoping for it because Bobby was in the background during Cena's promo. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like they were going to have him turn on Cena. Never happened because he he didn't even endorse him. Cena never said anything about Bobby Lashley. So it was very weird. Um, But I do like the double turn. Owens being a babyface is interesting. The guy is a born and bred heel. He's been a heel ever since he showed up in WWE uh, many, many years ago. So it's interesting that they're 
taking the heel route with him right now on the main roster. We'll see where it goes. Um, it's something new, if nothing else, just because he's really done it all on Raw, done it all on SmackDown. He's really feuded with everybody, every babyface on the main roster. So might as well try out something new and turn him heel, or rather turn him babyface. Um, Lashley, I think, is more overdue. He was more overdue for a heel run. I think he should have been a heel from the get-go. From the moment he was brought back to the company, turning a babyface was one of the dumbest things they could have possibly done. Yeah, he got a big pop when he first came back, but beyond that, no one gives a shit about the guy. So um, the Leo Rush pairing, I said weeks ago, I'm a big fan of it. I think Leo Rush as the heel mouthpiece for Lashley works. Yeah, um, Lashley good. worked as a heel in TNA. Mm-hmm. He had a mouthpiece in MVP for a little while a few years ago, but even on his own, he can talk. Lashley, with the right material, can talk. But even with Leo Rush, I think it's a great pairing. I'm not saying Lashley will be universal champion within six months, Mm -hmm. but this is an infinite improvement over whatever the hell he was doing before, which was essentially nothing. So I'm a big fan of the direction they're going in with Bobby and Kevin seemingly. Again, I say seemingly because they could have, you know, this is the same company that had Kevin Owens quit one week and then return the very next week. That's right. So I'm not sure where they're going with this, but they have officially piqued my attention, piqued my interest here, mm. which is perfect because Raw very rarely does that nowadays. There's very few storylines on Raw right now that are piquing my interest. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm excited to find out. Are you surprised that we are living in a world where John Cena has more hair than Shawn Michaels right now? I am very shocked by that. Yeah, John Cena, <laughs> a.k.a. Mini JVL on Saturday, oh, yeah. got the entire internet talking. That was more newsworthy and memorable than the match itself, which really is not saying much. Sean, I, you know what? I just find it very weird. I feel like maybe the hair was holding him back. I mean, he's had hair now ever since, you know, essentially forever, I guess, mm-hmm. pretty much forever. And as soon as the guy shaves his head, he gets back in the ring. I mean, that just seems ass backwards to me. I, I can't picture a Shawn Michaels match with no hair on the guy's head. Now, I know it's a DX reunion. He's going to look like mini Triple H in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just seems weird that we're going to get a Shawn Michaels match, a, a bald Shawn Michaels match. So why not wrestle a few years ago against AJ, against Daniel Bryan, against Seth Rollins? And he, he would have had hair at the time. Now he shaved his head. I thought he looked good with short hair. I guess he was, mm-hmm. wasn't working for him, so he shaved it all off. I don't know, just I, I'm still not used to it. But, uh, yeah, it is a weird world to be living in where Shawn Michaels has less hair than John Cena. Yeah, and, like, his cowboy hat took a mean bump where, like, he, you know, he got chokeslam on a table with it. I don't think the hat came off. It did not. That cowboy <laughs> hat was really the MVP of that fucking match. Let me tell you, more so than anyone else involved, props to the cowboy hat. That's right. That thing should be inducted into the Hall of Fame for that <laughs> match alone, for staying on the guy's head, for essentially the entire match up until the end, like the final few minutes of the show where he got tombstone by the Undertaker. Beyond that, though, that had did a hell of a job of staying on that guy's head. Uh, we had the Iconics uh, defeated Asuka and Naomi. I did not see this match, so you go ahead. It was no good. It's not worth your time. It was five minutes. It didn't overstay its welcome, but the Iconics really which was weird. They did not get as big of a reaction as I thought they would. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're from Australia, so I, w- I would expect some like big homecoming. Like, Buddy Murphy got a great reaction. Mm-hmm. The Iconics, eh. I feel like even in their hometown, people realize they're just not that special. I mean, I like the Iconics. They were good in NXT. They have not meant shit on the main roster. I'm sure people forgot they were even employed. I know they're on SmackDown sometimes, but they honestly do nothing for me whatsoever. Asuka is so much better than this trash. Naomi is Naomi. I like Naomi, but it's not like she should be champion right now either. Just with Asuka, she was 
this undefeated empress a year ago when she showed up on the main roster for the first time. Now she means less than fucking Mike Canellis, which might be pushing it a bit. But, I mean, she really does not mean much as much as she should right now. So it's a major disappointment. But, yeah, the Iconics won, and that was the only good thing I can say about it. Yeah, it's funny because last week I had my guy Cornell come on. You know, he's from NBA Live, uh, EA Sports, and we got it. We kind of got into this conversation, you know, about Oscar and Nakamura, where, you know, we're here in October, and back in even January, the 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 sky was the limit for both. You know, both won their Royal Rumbles, and we thought everybody thought they were going to win the, their world titles. Um, at WrestleMania, neither one did. And you fast forward to now, I don't know Nakamura is the U.S. champion, but it's like, you know, the writing, the booking, the characterization of both has been, you know, a, a little on a, on a down, downward spiral since, since WrestleMania for both Asuka and Nakamura. And it's like, you know, they, they came from NXT with high hopes and the big hoopla and Asuka was undefeated and Nakamura had the whole aura then he had the, the thing with AJ and it didn't really you know it, it sounded good on paper but it, it didn't really work that much in the ring with AJ and his thing with gender and I just think you fast forward all these months later and, and then you can ask where's Asuka where's Nakamura neither one a world champion but it's like okay now do they both get a reset? Like, what do you do going forward with both Nakamura and Asuka? Well, Nakamura is a weird case right now because I think they kind of hit the reset button at WrestleMania by turning him heel, which was not the worst thing because he was very popular as a babyface. So turning him heel was obviously a, a question mark, but he settled in nicely into the role. Better on the mic as a heel than he ever was as a babyface. Better character work. Um, the AJ Styles feud was good. I enjoyed it. The whole low blow thing got old real fast. Um, and then he failed to win the championship like three or four times. Yeah. Essentially labeling him, cementing him as a loser. So uh, that didn't do him any favors. Now, it really doesn't help that he's barely on SmackDown. He's on the show every other week. Um, and he's the United States champion. He won that championship, what, two months ago, two, three months ago? I could not tell you one memorable match the guy has had. And I love Nakamura, but he's really being lost in the shelf right now. And holding that championship has not done mm. any favors for him whatsoever. So I honestly don't know what you do with Nakamura. Do you turn him back, babyface? Like, I don't fucking know. They've really done all they could with him. And it's not his fault. It's the it's the company's fault. So for anyone saying, like, oh, you know, they tried. Like, all you people who want to Nakamura succeed, look, he's not good enough. It's not that at all. It's the fact the company, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they gave him a shot and he failed. Because the guy was getting over, and I'm sure the crowd would have gone nuts had he won the championship at mm. WrestleMania. But they booked him like shit. Now, even dating back to last year, the Jinder Mahal feud killed any momentum he had. As soon as he showed up on the main roster, it's not like his NXT popularity did not translate to SmackDown. Because it did for a while. But until they had him lose month after month, the guy came across like a loser. And then the Royal Rumble helped get him back on track, and they had him lose again at WrestleMania, and again at Backlash, and again at Money in the Bank. Then he beat, you know, Jeff Hardy for the championship, and he still is barely on SmackDown. So I honestly have no clue what you do with Nakamura, though he is facing Rey Mysterio next week. SmackDown 1000, the winner gets entered into the World Cup tournament. That's right. So I'm expecting him to um, lose that, Rey Mysterio to win. And then maybe they enter a feud with each other going into the fall over the United States Championship. For Asuka, I would say a heel turn. I think that's out of the question right now because they just turned Becky heel. Uh, maybe at some point in the not-so-distant future. Um, 
But I don't know. They have to get her back to her killing ways. I know she put away Billy Kay and Peyton Royce on separate weeks of SmackDown, like within a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. But she needs to go back to killing people. And if not that, at least explain what's going through her mind right now. They do a very poor job of telling stories when it comes to the fallout and the follow-up with certain people. Like, after Asuka got beaten, Mm -hmm. it should have been a way bigger deal. The girl was undefeated for almost three fucking years. And as soon as she got beat, she felt like another woman on the roster. It wasn't the fact that she lost. It was the fact that WWE did an awful job of following up on that loss. Mm -hmm. Charlotte won when she did not need to be Asuka. And then Asuka was not on TV for like three weeks after that. And it's not like she came back and did a sit-down interview with Michael Cole saying... And I know she can barely speak English, but it's not like, you know, she said, I I, have, I don't know what to do. I need to rebuild. I need to reclaim, whatever. Not like Seth Rollins, but right. I don't know. Just something to show some sort of vulnerability or development as a character. We've seen no development with Asuka since she lost the WrestleMania. So that's the issue with her. And I'm hoping she can rebound. She's not damaged goods by any means, um, but she should be rebuilt. SmackDown has a really good women's division. They're putting all their eggs in the Becky and Charlotte basket right now, and that's fine. But I'm hoping Oscar gets another look at some point because she's too be- too good to be wasted any longer. We did have AJ Styles defeat Samoa Joe by submission in a no count out, no DQ match for the WWE title uh, in about 24 minutes. I thought the match was pretty good. Uh, one one of the best matches for AJ Styles in a while. Um. With the prediction that that we had last week with me and Cornell, I did pick AJ, and my whole thing was, you know, he would he would win, fight the Miz, and then hold that, you know, him and Miz would go at it, and Miz would win, and Daniel Bryan, and which which probably won't happen now, but AJ is still the world champion. Uh, I don't think it's any surprise, but what did you make of the match match between AJ and Samoa Joe? I actually really liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the better matches in the entire show. No surprise. I mean, these two work very well together. Maybe not as great as it could have been, but at this point, Joe and AJ are a lot older than they were back during their TNA days. So the story was great. They got a ton of time. They kind of played back in their other encounters at Hell in a Cell and SummerSlam, respectively. Um, just overall, a good match. They made good use of the hardcore, no disqualification, no count-out stipulation. AJ won in the end. Joe was protected in defeat by the leg injury. Um, he tapped out clean. So Joe's days as WWE champion are pretty much done. Same thing with Nakamura. If Joe was not going to win the championship in that feud, I don't think he's ever winning that championship, which mm. is a big, big, big fucking shame because he is so good and has been doing great work ever since he showed up on the main roster a year and a half ago. He deserves a, a main roster world championship run at some point. Um, he's held the Ring of Honor World Championship, the Impact World Title, the NXT Championship, but he has yet to hold a Universal or WWE title. Maybe at some point down the road, I don't see it happening, but I did really like the match, though, and the outcome was not entirely surprising. Yeah, I think at some point he'll get it. I think a lot of fans want these people to be world champion right away, like with Nakamura, Samoa Joe, and the, you go back on Twitter and see them, oh, Samoa Joe should have beat AJ and X, Y, and Z, but I'm like, you know, really, like, you know, right away, like right now, like I don't think it's the right time for Samoa Joe nor Nakamura to be world champion. But um, you know, more so, like I think I think the Miz should have been world champion a long time ago, and he wasn't. You know, oh, he he hasn't been world champion in, in quite some time. So I think it, it, you know, it's a matter of time. The fans just can't be, you know, wanting their guys to be champion right away and 
same thing with Raw and the Finn Balor's of the world. They wanted him to be champion and beat Brock Lesnar, which you know that wasn't going to happen. So um, Samoa Joe is a, a, a big-time talent. I think he'll be world champion sometime down the road. Same with Nakamura, but I just, I just don't think that time is now. No, no John Cena pun intended. Yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that they'll never be world champion. I mean, assuming they stick with the company, Joe, I think, is with the company until he retires. Nakamura, I'm not so sure about. I think he will. I think he will re-sign into his contracts coming up in early 2019 along with AJ and the uh, the good brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. I'd honestly be surprised if they stayed. They're not even on SmackDown. They have barely been on SmackDown since they got drafted there back earlier this year. Mm-hmm. AJ's going to stay. There's no doubt about that. Nakamura... Could go either way. Um, I can see him staying. There's more matches for him to be had in WWE, including with Daniel Bryan. Uh, I would want to see him stay. I think he's barely scratched the surface in terms of what he's capable of in this company. But yeah, Joe, I think, is another guy, like you said, that probably will get his time in the sun at some point down the road. Just right now is not that time. They want to just milk this AJ Styles title run for his for as long as they possibly can. He's been champion now for 11 fucking months, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of bad timing. Joe could have become a universal champion at this point a year ago, but because Brock was champion, he couldn't win the title. So it's really just a matter of bad timing with Joe, unfortunately. Um, though I am hoping if he sticks around long enough, he can win that championship at some point because he is too good to not get a world championship run at some mm-hmm. point in the uh, not-so-distant future. Then we had the six-woman tag match between Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins defeating the Riot Squad. I did not see this match from Super Showdown, but I did see the rematch on Raw where, you know, let, let's fast forward. Uh, the Bella Twins did turn on, on Ronda Rousey. So I want to ask you, Graham, so is Brie a, a heel on Raw and like a baby face on SmackDown with Daniel Bryan. Like, I wonder how that shit's going to work out. But um, they did turn on, on Ronda. Now we get Nikki and Ronda at Evolution for the uh, Raw Women's title. Talk about the match on Saturday, the match on Monday, the heel turn. And what do we do with Brie on Raw and SmackDown? The match on Saturday was exactly what you would expect it to be. Nothing really worth watching for. Not that good. The Raw rematch was also not that good. Um, I feel bad for the Riot Squad because Ronda Rousey's great. You got to keep her undefeated. Mm -hmm. I thought it was stupid to have Ronda pin Ruby Riot two weeks in a row. I know she didn't get pinned on Saturday, but she got pinned clean as a sheet last week on Raw, one-on-one. Then she got beat this week. Isn't that the whole point of having Sarah Logan and... And Liv Morgan in there to get yeah. beat by Ronda Rousey. I mean, they right. did on Saturday, but like Ruby Riot could be something at some point. She's had a great run on Raw since moving over to Monday nights earlier this year. To get her to have her get beat decisively two weeks in a row it is a complete waste. It's a total waste. Because the thing is, Ronda's amazing. Don't get me wrong, and she's been on a massive roll. You're not gonna ever get beat by the fucking Riot Squad, but the Bella Twins. They're beating the Riot Squad every week. They've beaten them every week now for like a week, month and a half. Okay. They're not going to be here in a month. Once Evolution comes and goes, they'll be gone. So it's like the Riot Squad will be back to meaning nothing. They already mean nothing. They picked up a few victories, but now they mean nothing again Mm -hmm. because they got squashed by Ronda and the Bellas every week. Now, again, if you're setting up them to be beaten by Ronda, that's fine. The Bellas was what really made me angry just because it's frustrating because they're not going to be here. It's the same idea of having Triple H come in or maybe not Triple H, but like The Undertaker come in or The Rock come back 
and be one of the young guys and then leave again. Who does that benefit? Absolutely no one. Like CM Punk said years ago, having bringing in The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, and The Rock to all beat him only for them to leave the next day benefits absolutely nobody, no matter how good the match is. So when it came to the Bella's angle, the Bella angle on Monday, I thought it was well done, to be honest with you. I'm really not looking forward to Nikki and Ronda. Um, I know they're two of the bigger women's names in, in WWE right now, I guess. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Ronda versus Sasha or even Charlotte, I mean, that's going to be safer down the road. I don't know. I feel, I feel like there's bigger matches to do with Ronda than fucking Nikki Bella. We'll see how good the match is. I don't expect it to be great, but they could surprise me. Uh, they are better in the heel role. They're natural heels. So I, I'm not yeah. I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to the feud or the match itself. Again, I'm hoping they exceed my expectations. Um, but I thought it was a well-done angle. You had to do what you had to do. It's a way better option than doing a babyface versus babyface bout at the pay-per-view. That would have been awful. I don't want to see a build-up with Ronda and Nikki talking about how much they love and respect each other. That's That shit is stupid. No one's going to care. At least Nikki can go out there and say, oh, you know, you know you're taking our spot. Isn't that the trash that she was spewing this time a year ago before Ronda came in? She's like, oh, I hope Ronda doesn't come in. I don't want her to take her spot. Mm-hmm. Like, people were jealous of Ronda. It's like, fuck you. Like, she's bringing in more eyes to the product <laughs> than anyone else on the, on the company roster right now. It's like, fuck that. It's the same thing with The Rock coming back. With the people that are upset that The Rock's here, it's like, listen, he gave us the most financially successful WrestleMania than any other in years at WrestleMania 28. So enough with the nonsense about him taking up a spot, because without him, you wouldn't be making nearly as much money. But anyway, I think the Bella angle on Monday, I thought it was well done. With Bree on Raw and SmackDown, it's, I, I can't possibly care. They've done this a number of times now. I love the brand split, don't get me wrong, but they really don't pay enough attention to detail. Bree's technically... I, I think she's not on either brand. What makes me angry is that Nikki is technically on SmackDown. And again, if you want to say that she's a free agent, that's fine. But they haven't said that. Right. I think she might still be on the SmackDown roster page. I could be wrong. Brie was on SmackDown. I don't even think Daniel Bryan brought it up tonight. The whole Brie Bella thing, even though that's his wife. Yeah. And they just teamed together like a fucking three weeks ago at the last pay-per-view. Exactly. So I, I don't know what the hell's going on there. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is not the first time they've ignored the brain split. They did it a year ago, and Kane went back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. He started out on SmackDown, went to Raw in the um, when, he, when he came over to Raw about a year ago to team with um, Strowman against The Shield or something. Like, that was random. Went back to SmackDown earlier this year to reunite Team Hell No with Daniel Bryan, and then returned to Raw a few weeks ago to reunite with The Undertaker. So he's technically on SmackDown at this point. I'm, I'm assuming he's a free agent. And they just did it with Big Show tonight, too. The guy's a Raw superstar. The last time we saw him, he was on Raw. He shows up on SmackDown randomly after not wrestling for over a fucking year to take on Randy Orton on SmackDown for no (laughs) reason whatsoever. Zero attention to detail. It's like their fans are not stupid. We know Big Show's not on SmackDown. I know he's not been here in a year, but people have not forgotten that he's not a part of SmackDown. So anyway, that's just frustrating right. but to answer your question the bella stuff that was well done to big show and randy orton in this whole world cup thing to determine who's the best in the world like jesus christ what is this survivor <laughs> series 2013 give me a break uh, um to your point about when you mentioned lashley should have turned heel um at super showdown do you do you feel like the bella twins turning on ronda should have happened at Super Showdown as well, and, and why would they say that for for Raw on Monday night? 
I don't know, maybe just to kill more time until the pay-per-view. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. I think the Super Showdown, again, if you want to change your perception of these fucking pay-per-views, like, oh, they're not glorified house shows, how dare you say that? It's like, they're it's a fucking glorified house show. Point me to anything on that show that made it a worthwhile event. The only th- significant thing that happened was the Cruiserweight Championship match and Buddy Murphy winning the title. And the only reason that happened was because they were in his hometown. Beyond that, that show was a complete waste of time. Even the Triple H Undertaker stuff was a setup for something else coming up in a month. So it's like, was anything on that show really worth it? No, not really. Even AJ beat Joe. Nothing significant happened there. Nothing significant happened. Even the Shield stuff. They had a rematch two days later on Raw. So, again, for anyone who wasted their time watching that show, especially live, I'm sorry. But it's like, yeah, with, with the should they have done the turn on Saturday? They should have because they want if they want to make people think that these shows anything can happen, then do it at the fucking on, on, at the pay per view. Don't wait till Raw. I mean, it for it made for a cool moment on Raw. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, mm-hmm. again, like why should I think that Crown Jewel will be any different than Greatest Royal Rumble or Super Showdown? Because those two shows, nothing happened. So why do I think Crown Jewel will be no different? Yeah, I, I I think they put themselves. I wouldn't say in a, in a corner, but I you know it just you know you had Super Showdown, you got Evolution coming up, Crown Jewel, Survivor Series, like you know like I mentioned to to Cornell last week. It, it like it's a lot. It's a lot. It's travel, this and this, and it's like you 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 build up to one thing. You know, even Hell in a Cell before that. Um, so that that's like five shows in a matter of like a month or a month and a half, and you have to build differently for every show. And it's like, all right, we're done with this. Now let's do a build for two weeks. And you're done with that. It's built for for a, a separate two weeks. And it's like, back again, back in the day, you have one one show in October. You have a whole month to build for Survivor Series and one month to for December and so on and so forth. Now you're having five shows. In a month and a half, I think it's a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that should go without saying. I mean, um, I know they're making more money now than they've ever had before, and they're making a lot of money out that Saudi Arabia show and, and uh, the, the Crown Jewel show coming up next month. But it's like everything gets lost in the shuffle. When you're focusing on five different shows at the same time, none of them feel special. Why do you think SmackDown 1000 feels like a complete afterthought at the moment? Now, I'll give them credit. They've advertised a few different things for the show, but you cannot possibly tell me that this show has the same hype around it that Raw 1000 did. And I know part of that, too, is that Raw is their baby. SmackDown is not. But, dude, 1,000 episodes is a big deal. Yeah. They're treating it like it's a you know a, a slightly above-average edition of SmackDown, not the grand occasion that it should be. Raw 1000, they, they spent building to for like two months they just started hyping up SmackDown 1000 two weeks ago. <laughs> We're getting evolution, a raw stable on SmackDown. Oh, yeah. that makes no sense, but okay. Like, that's cool. I'm glad we're getting Batista back, but it's like it makes no sense. Like, I'm glad we're getting Rey Mysterio back. That's cool. Uh, what else are they even doing? I have no idea. Well, I think it, The Undertaker is going to be there. I heard Edge, I think, is confirmed. I don't know. Again, it's like... They should try to get The Rock. Like, The Rock was more synonymous with SmackDown than he was with Raw, but he was at Raw 1000. Yeah. Maybe he's 
busy filming Jumanji Part Five. I don't know, but like, well, it's they should in- be making more of an effort to make get these people on the show. It's very strange, but I don't know. You, Smackdown One Thousand is just one example. Look at Evolution. Yeah, you cannot possibly tell me that anyone is extremely excited for the show in terms of anything on the card as of right now. Oh, it's the first ever women's pay per view. Okay, cool. But what am I looking forward to here? The show's in fucking three weeks, dude. Three weeks, and all we know is that we're having. The best built match in the entire card, this is pretty sad, is the NXT Women's Championship match. And that's not even being promoted on Raw and SmackDown. It's being promoted in an NXT. That's that's pretty sad. Their developmental championship is more anticipated than the fucking main roster shit. I mean, now again, Becky and Charlotte, they just added that to the card. That's mm-hmm. great. Trish and Lita versus Bliss and Mickey. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The single it's better than the two singles matches cuz they meant nothing. They built up nothing with and no animosity whatsoever. And the matches probably would not have been that good. I'm sure this won't be an instant classic either. The raw angle they did on Monday I thought was fine, but it's like mm-hmm. eh, am I looking forward to it? Eh, not really. Yeah, I mean, you know, then you have Ronda Nikki, you have eh. uh the finals for the UK Women's title, you have the May Young Classic finals. You mentioned the tag match. Kari uh, saying Shayna Baszler for the NXT title and Becky and Charlotte. So you got six matches on the card, and that's as of right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could add more. The thing is, though, what scares me is that they are going to fill out the rest of this card with obviously more matches. It's a three or four hour pay per view. Of course, they're going to add more matches, but what? Another fucking battle royal? Like, no one cares. <laughs> like, the thing is, is that there's no matches they could possibly add that makes sense. What, the Iconics versus Naomi and Asuka again? No one gives a shit. Bailey and, like, Sasha Banks has been gone for weeks. I heard she got hurt. I heard she's taking time off. I don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. To have Sasha off the show would be ridiculous. She's played a bigger role than anyone else in helping get women's wrestling where it is today. So she should absolutely be a part of the show. And as of right now, she is announced for nothing at Evolution. Bailey too. What, is she going to face Alicia Fox? Like, again, there's nothing... Uh, Nia Jax versus Ember Moon again? Like, there's no compelling storylines in the women's division right now beyond outside of the title picture. And they have the women. They have the women for it, but they're not doing anything outside of the, the, the title pictures. The only four women that matter right now in WWE are Nikki Bella, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. That's it. That's it. The rest of the matches don't even matter. So they could do some fantasy warfare. They could do Carmella versus Natalia, brand supremacy. Like, no one's going to care. Wait, tell me, tell me. So, so, so not Alexa Bliss either? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I would. Uh, she's an honorary member. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yes, she does, but she's really been, really been um, phased down ever since she lost the championship. Like, she's on the show, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. call her, like, special or, like, I don't know. I really don't care about her segments at this point. She's just kind of there. She's feuding with a legend that's going to be gone after Evolution. So it's like after that wraps up, what is she going to be doing? Feuding with Nia Jax again? Like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know what she's going to be doing beyond the pay per view. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. But they have Bailey. They're doing nothing with her. They have Sasha Banks. They're doing nothing with her. They have Oscar. They're doing nothing with her. They have Ember Moon doing nothing with her. Hey, so that's what know, really concerns Brie, me. Brie Bell has been in, involved in a lot more things than than those recently. Yeah, and that's the sad part, and that's what I'm saying. They're not going to be here after Evolution. I mean, they might be, but like for what? The feud of the Bella Twins versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. I could not give two shits. I really, I don't hate the Bellas. I really don't. I just have no interest 
there's no money match with them that I could see like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this. I really do not care. Nikki Bella, the last time she was around, I thought she had a great run. I really did. I thought she had a great run on SmackDown, which eventually led to the proposal that meant nothing because the wedding never happened. But the mm. Cena thing at WrestleMania, I thought was cool. But um, yeah, no, just I don't know. Just right now, the Bella Twins together as a unit, just that, that's not compelling. Mm. I feel like we've been there, done that. You got to focus on the women of right now because – those are the women that are going to be carrying this company into the future, not the fucking Bella Twins. And I'm sure the match won't be uh, all that amazing either. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm not extremely excited for Evolution as of right now. What are they going to bring back? Molly, Holly, and Michelle McCool? Like again? That's right. Jacqueline? Like who gives a shit? I like think, come I on. I think Michelle McCool is going to be at the SmackDown show. Just, just, is she? Is I, that been confirmed? I know I it was mean, rumored. If, I don't know. If it's Taker's going to be there. Might as well her. I mean, yeah, I mean, Undertaker's going to be there, so yeah. I would assume that she'll be there, too. I mean, they're married, so I, I, I mean, it makes <laughs> sense. She honestly was a pretty big star on SmackDown. It sounds weird to say it, but she was. Hey, man. But again, if, if I don't know. The if, celebration of old talent, I feel like they did a great job of that at the Royal Rumble. I thought that was a great women's Rumble right. earlier this year. What more can you do with them that you haven't already done at this Evolution pay-per-view? That's why the ticket sales know. are so low. No one, it's, okay, it's it's a first-ever female pay-per-view. Okay, mm-hmm. get, get over it. And let's let's figure out a good card here. Like that's wonderful. Let's put together a good yeah. card. And they're not really doing that right now. I think for SmackDown, uh, you know, this won't happen. But you know, SmackDown one thousand, you 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 got to give me the you know MVP, Carlito, Mister Kennedy, Johnny Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, <laughs> Batista, and I think that's why. You know, I think it's in DC. That show, so maybe that's why it they're is. plugging in Batista to get the, the big pop and everything. So, I mean, hopefully it's not um, just a one-off with Batista. I know there's been rumors that he wanted one, you know, one more run, even last year, and he was supposedly the, the 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 tag partner for Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, but that did not happen. It, you know, it became Kurt Angle. So. You know, hopefully we get one more Batista run. I know you don't like the old guys coming back and get the runs and with the the the, the belt like Goldberg and everything. But I think it'd be kind of cool to see him come back and it just kind of be interesting to see if his next feud is going to be within someone within Evolution of Triple H or Randy Orton. It's funny how Triple H is back now with DX, and then now he said, "Hey, also coming back in SmackDown uh, Evolution," so he'll be part of two stables at once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Batista back. I really do. I think he should have been back a while ago. To no fault of his own. I mean, the company is just treating him like shit. Mm-hmm. Treating him like absolute shit. Like, if you listen to the interviews this guy does, for all the things for all the things they have said to him and the way they've completely neglected this guy, you would think that he would be like, okay, fuck you. I'm not coming back. I'm honestly surprised that he is. Like, why would I agree to this? The only reason. I mean, I'm happy they're bringing him back, but it's like. A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I don't know when it was. It wasn't that long ago. Someone asked him on Twitter, are you coming to SmackDown 1000? And he said, no. They hadn't reached out to me. So it's like, and the, yeah, they announced the Evolution reunion right after that. I mean, it's yeah. like, I don't know. I would have turned that down. It's like, okay, you're only reaching out to me because I complained about it in, pu- in public? Like, I don't know. SmackDown would not be where it is today without Batista. That guy was a huge star for SmackDown mm-hmm. from 05 through 2010. So I don't know why they're not doing more with him on the show. I mean, the Evolution reunion is cool, but I'm hoping it's more than that. If he's just coming out to do a little song and dance and come out to Line in the Sand by Motorhead, that's wonderful. But it's like if he's not coming out to set something up, 
then it's a waste. And I'm hoping that it will lead to something. But Batista has been very adamant in the past about saying that I don't want to come back for a one-off. I want to come back for one more run. So I'm hoping it leads to some sort of like match on the show. Mm-hmm. And then Batista turns on Triple H or vice versa. Because, again, this company has no sense of storyline consistency. But if you do remember, the last time we saw those two together, Batista quit in the middle of the ring because Triple H didn't give him what he wanted, which was a world championship match. Right. And you would think that it would lead to a world, uh, like another match between them, which, again, in 2018, do people really want to see that? Eh, probably not. But Batista said before, the only reason I would come back is to face Triple H. Batista has no interest in facing anyone else on the roster except for Triple H. And you know what? That's fine. They worked well together in 05. I'm not sure if a rematch over a dozen years later would be any different. But the bottom line is that Batista is still a big star. I know that sounds hypocritical from a guy coming, you know, from the guy saying that I I, I hated Sean and uh, or fucking Taker and Triple H. But I don't know. I feel like Batista deserves a better send off than what he got a couple of years ago. And a Triple H feud can do that for me. He obviously enjoys working with Triple H. The guy's a big star. If No if ands, or buts about it. He's in the fucking Avengers, okay? He's got a lot of buzz around him right now. To not capitalize on that would be stupid of WWE. So I'm glad they're bringing him back. I'm hoping it's for more than a one-off. And WrestleMania's right around the corner. Triple H has no obvious opponent in mind for Mania. So I'm hoping, mate, you know what? Batista, Triple H, why the hell not? As long as it's not for a world championship and not main eventing the show... I don't see what the harm is in doing that match. Whether it's an instant classic or they just stink out the joint, I'm not sure. But at least it would be a better send-off for Batista than what they gave him four years ago. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. As you were talking, I reading how you know you mentioned Batista with the Avengers. Now, I read somewhere that he, he wants to... Um he wants to he wants to join the Suicide Squad. So now he wants to join from Marvel to DC. So I mean, I mean, hey, if you got it like that, you might as well try it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the story there is that James Gunn. I think the rumor is that he's been in talks to direct Suicide Squad too. And Batista is very good friends with James Gunn, which is why he's gone on the record and saying, I don't want to be back for any more Guardians films. I don't want to be back with Marvel. I don't want to be back working with Disney specifically because I signed on for James Gunn. And if he's not a part of this project, I want no part of it. Mm. So he might be written off after Avengers 4, Infinity War Part 2, come April, May, whatever, in a couple months. We'll see. And if so, and if he's not um, required to do another Guardians film, which I believe he had signed on for, he can leave and jump to DC. I'm sure DC would love to have him. And they have The Rock. The Rock's going to be in the new um, Shazam movie or Black Adam or whatever it is. So I'm sure they would love to have a Rock and uh, Batista in their DC universe. And you know what? Batista and, and Suicide Squad 2 might just make the movie good. I thought the first movie was fine. A lot of people were very disappointed with it. Yeah, me too. And um, it was by it was not great by any means but maybe james gunn writing the script will make it better from the same guy who made guardians great i'm sure he can uh, resurrect the suicide squad brand as well before i get to the the final four matches from super show i want to ask you since, since we, you know we were talking about smackdown um you know celebrating 1000 shows if i had to ask you right now the mount rushmore of smackdown how easy would it be? How difficult would it be to answer that question? Who are the four people you think should be on the Mount Rushmore of SmackDown? Of all time? Yeah. 
Okay, you know what? I'm going to make this real easy. This is the four. Honestly, you got to go with the first four people that pop in your head. And as you said that, I had four people pop in my head. Edge, Batista, The Undertaker, and The Rock. Right. The Rock was the founding father of SmackDown. I know he was not there for a long-ass time, but he... Come on, dude. The word SmackDown comes from The Rock. Exactly. You know? So you got to include The Rock, even though he was not synonymous with SmackDown for the next 20 years, and he left in 02 or 03. He was still the founding father of that show. Taker was the cornerstone of that show for so long, for mm-hmm. like 10 years, and was on SmackDown way more than he ever was on Raw. So definitely got to include Taker. Batista, his run there was not long. Batista, I feel like, could be replaced with either Brock Lesnar, who, hmm. again, was there for not that long, but mm-hmm. he had a great run from 02 to 04 on SmackDown. Well, Kurt Angle? I feel, like, I feel like Batista did more for SmackDown than Brock did, even though SmackDown was Brock's show for like a couple of years, mm-hmm. and that was really where he became a star and cemented his superstar status. Um, so Batista could be replaced with either Brock, Kurt Angle, who owned SmackDown for a while there, or Rey Mysterio. I guess you could say Eddie Guerrero, too. He's another good one. Eh, it's Orton. really tough. Batista is very replaceable, I guess. But I wanted to include Batista because he was the face of that show for like five years, mm. from 05 to 2010. And then lastly, Edge, I think, is that's, that's a no-brainer. I mean, he made SmackDown his show up until he retired in 2011. He really owned SmackDown. He was... He was great when SmackDown first started and became part of the brand split in 02, and then he got hurt, and then he went over to Raw. But um, he really made a name for himself on SmackDown in 07, won the World Championship, and became a Hall of Fame caliber competitor on that show. So I think the three concrete ones are Edge, The Rock, and um, The Undertaker. I think Batista can be replaced, but he's my tentative person for right now. So if, if I say, hey, what about Randy Orton? What about JBL? Honorable mentions, Orton, no. I think Orton helped SmackDown. And, like, when I think Orton on SmackDown, I know he's been a part of SmackDown since the most recent brand split, which is good. But uh, I think Orton's more of a Raw guy, to be honest. He spent a lot more time on Raw from, like, 06 through 2011. And he was on SmackDown for a little while before the end of the first brand split, and he had that great feud with Christian. But beyond that, he really was not on SmackDown at all. He was there for like a cup of coffee in 05, but that was about it. Um, who was the other person you said? I said Orton and JBL. Oh, JBL is another good one. I would not include him. I mean, I know he was the voice of SmackDown for a year or two. And he, I mean, he had his little run on top from 04 to like 05. But that was really about it. Again, that was too short to really cement him as the, to, to cement him as uh, one of the, uh, like the four horsemen of SmackDown. So honorable mention, but I can't see him. I would not put him above the other people I just said. All right, so we're going with The Rock, Taker, Edge, and Batista at the moment. All right. Um, the other four matches on Super Showdown, I did not. I, out of these four, I saw two out of the four. I, I did not see The Shield against Braun Strowman, Dolphins, and, and, and Drew McIntyre, even though we, 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 uh, we got the rematch on Raw Monday, where at the end, the, uh, Dean Ambrose got pinned by... Uh, who pinned him? Uh, Drew McIntyre, and then Dean walked out on the shield, and we don't know where that's going, but, you know, a little dissension between the group. Um, again, I did not see the match on Saturday. Was it more like the same on, uh, on Monday? Which one was better? 
Both matches were actually good. I was surprised. I was expecting something completely throwaway because six-man tag team matches with nothing at stake are hardly exciting. But then again, this is the Shield we're talking about here. The Shield makes every match they're a part of exciting. So the Saturday match was good. I thought, honestly, the Monday match was even better. But the Monday match was great. Um, they did more to tease tension with both the heels and the baby faces. Braun got in Dolph's face, and then sure. Drew got in Braun's face. Dean Ambrose kind of teased something on Saturday. They won, and then he kind of teased walk. He did walk out on him afterward. Teased kind of breaking apart from the Shield after they lost. So I thought the Monday match was better, but both bouts were good. Um, nothing really was accomplished because they went 50-50, but I thought both matches from an in-ring standpoint were very good. Mm. Um, Daniel Bryan and The Miz went two and a half minutes. You know, it was a match for to determine the new contender for the world title. Um, two and a half minutes was very shocking because, again, on Twitter and everything, you've seen it live. It's like, hey, you know, something must have happened. Did, did they miss the count? Was somebody really hurt? And then they didn't want these guys to be in that kind of position for so long. And for a match that was heavily hyped to determine the new contender for the WWE title to be two and a half minutes, I'm pretty sure, would left you and many other fans um disappointed and shocked how shocked were you that one that daniel bryan won the match because i, I would assume me and you would, would have picked the miss over daniel bryan and two that two and a half minutes were allotted for this match i was shocked this went so short i mean maybe it's their way of continuing the feud without giving us a real payoff if this is the last match they have with each other i'd be shocked and very disappointed. I don't think it is. Based off what we saw in SmackDown tonight, they're having more matches. I think it's going to be a three-way at Survivor Series with Brian, Miz, and um, Styles. I mean, they can always change it between now and Crown Jewel, but I think Miz ultimately will be champion. I think he's going to be the one to take the championship from AJ, which is why he has not yet dropped it. Um, I mean, I guess Brian could. I think it tells for. I think it makes for a better story if Miz becomes champion. Brian wins the Rumble, and then we get their final match at WrestleMania. So maybe that's why this one's short. They didn't want to give away another real match between the two, so they had to go short. Mm -hmm. Either that or time constraints. Either way, it was disappointing. Maybe it makes sense in the long run. I have very, I have a very tough time giving this company the benefit of the doubt because most times they just steer me wrong and I end up looking like a fool. But I'm hoping this is the case where they thought out long term. They're going to save the real match between the two until WrestleMania. So we'll see. But um, Brian winning does set up him and AJ for Crown Jewel. And it should be a great match. So we'll see where they go with it. So now the match that I did not see, I would assume that people would say was the best match on the card was Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander for the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy defeated Cedric um, in about 10 minutes. So I did not see the match. I kept hearing a lot of great things about it. So how stupid am I for me to miss this match, Graham? <sighs> <laughs> Dude, it, it goes both ways. I mean, someone's going to tell you it was entertaining. I loved it. Uh -oh. Me, I thought it was shit. Really? I'm not going to lie to you. I really didn't like it. I mean, I'm wow. not a big fan of the angle anyway, so I'm probably biased. But okay. I don't know. I mean, I get what they're capable of. One guy's 55. The other one's 49. I get it. But it's like, I don't know. I thought they had such a great match at WrestleMania 28 to just go back and just completely... Oh, not erase that, but like, I don't know. I knew this wasn't going to be good. And even with all the bells and whistles, the no DQ stipulation, you had Kane, you had Shawn Michaels. 
But what purpose? What fucking purpose did this match serve? Well, I mean, I, they did all the shit here. This felt like a tag team match. It was. Sean got involved every 10 seconds. Kane got involved every 20 seconds. So why was the, why didn't they just do the, the tag team match on this show? What's the big difference between the match, what we saw on this show, and what we're going to see in Saudi Arabia? I have no, no doubt that they're going to add a no DQ stipulation to that match, too. Because there's no way these four can work a great in-ring wrestling classic at that Saudi Arabia show. No chance in hell. They have to rely on the tables and the chairs and all the dumb shit because they can't rely on pure skill. I mean, they have skill. I don't want to insult them, but it's like they can't have a wrestling match in 2018. They can't. Sean, I mean, fucking Triple H and Taker never had a straight-up wrestling match at WrestleMania 27 or 28. They had brawls that were great, and they told a story. They didn't have a straight-up wrestling match. They're not capable of that. They weren't then. They aren't now. And Sean's the same way. I, I thought the match was just... I don't know, dragged on for way too long. 30 minutes? Come on. So I just, for, for a match that was a glorified setup for what we're seeing next month, I did not enjoy this at all. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying not to laugh the last two minutes because I asked you about Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander, <laughs> not the main event. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry, Randy. I thought you had said, I thought you talked about Triple H and um, Undertaker. My bad. <laughs> No, I said Buddy. People were telling me Buddy Murphy and Cedric was the best match on the card, and I, I missed it. And I said, "Tell me about Buddy Murphy and Cedric," and then you went off on the main event. Jesus, I'm, I honestly forgot that <laughs> match was on there. I thought when I heard "best match," I immediately thought you were talking about that one. I heard you say Buddy, but I thought you were just skipping over that. That's my bad. Oh, we could save that. That's my thoughts in the main event. Um, okay, so right. yeah, in the Cruiserweight Championship match, it was the best match on the show. Mm. It was. Um, from an in-ring standpoint, yeah, but it's not just about the wrestling. Like, if you've been, uh, I mean, I'm sure not many people have been, but if you tune into 205 Live, these guys had a great match earlier this year. Honestly, one of the best matches I've seen all year in WWE. Um, it took place in Cedric's hometown. So this time, Buddy had the hometown advantage. The crowd was white hot for the guy. And they were only given 10 minutes, but yeah. that's all they needed. That's all they needed because they went out there and had the fucking Cruiserweight match that they should have had. This was the shit we we should have seen a year ago. And now that they're in charge, now Triple H is in charge, all of a sudden they're allowed to do a lot more. Surprise, surprise. When Triple H has his hands on the division and it's in, it's in his control, it's way better off. Um, they had an awesome match here. Love the match. Love the finish. Buddy Murphy's been overlooked for far too long now, and he had a great moment here in picking up the championship. So, yeah, I thought this was... The best match in the show. I thought this was up there with the six man and Styles and Joe, but I think it tops both those bouts. So for the main event, uh, Graham, uh, <laughs> the again, I, I did not see the cruiserweight championship match. Uh, I, I, I'll make sure to go back and see it. But the main event, um, you know me, I, I, I'm a big fan of nostalgia. Uh, parts part of me watched the match and I did not even know that it went 20 27 and a half minutes and I if you tell me Triple H Taker any match to be almost a half hour in 2018 would have been like yeah right but it is Triple H he makes the matches he makes the card he makes the time so of course one he'll be in the main event too 
his, you know, his match will be a half hour. But Triple H looked better than Taker. Uh, you know, Kane, <laughs> Kane, you know, Kane did not really help Taker in the match. Sean was doing more shit on the outside, and Kane was taking his his time trying to get to Sean and try to help out Taker. He didn't really do much. Um, you know, the chairs, chair spots and table spots, and you kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, you know, seeing Sean out there, he looked a little slow in the ring. I think he, he tried to do a chop, but Kane stopped him. I like how it ended where everybody thought it was all... All, all on the same page, and you know, Kane and Taker turn on DX, and the Sean gets choke slammed through a table. And I heard that the table was rigged before everything even happened. So I mean, it it is what it is. But then you then you fast forward to Monday, and now we get DX and the Brothers of Destruction at Crown Jewel, and it's like people are 50-50 whether they want Sean to, to, to return or not. Sean is 53 years old. Sean is my favorite wrestler of all time, aside from Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you ask me, do I want to see him back in the ring? Sure, I'm going to say I want HBK back in the ring. But people are going to say, well, uh, you know, you don't want him to come back in the ring for the first time in eight years since 2010 and him not look damn near you know, resemble of what he looked of what he looked like in the ring at WrestleMania 26. Um, they must have thrown him a lot of money to to compete, even if it's a tag team match. You mentioned earlier he could have fought Seth Rollins, he could have fought AJ Styles, he could have fought Daniel Bryan, but now you now you get him and Triple H against a Cannon Taker in a tag match one month from now. What does that mean going forward? I have no idea. But I think the match on Saturday and the promo on Monday, it's like, all right, this is this is one big nostalgia act, but part of me says why not have these guys involved with like the young talent? And that's the first time I even thought about that because people are always going to say, well, you know, they should have DX against the young guys and the young guys should get over or a young guy against, you know, Finn Balor against Taker and let, or Finn Balor against Kane and let him go over the old guys. Um, I, I think, I think this is the final uh, thing we're going to have between these four guys. And the, the, you know, it's not like they're fighting for a world title. It's not like they're fighting for a tag team championship. Let them do their thing. It'll be over in, in, in two months. We'll see what Sean does with Taker. Even if um, there's no guarantee he'll fight one-on-one after this. A lot of people are um, kind of disappointed that Sean is coming out of retirement. I'm like, if he can still go, then let him go. We've seen Taker. We've seen Triple H. We've seen Goldberg. Come out. He he looked pretty good at, at 50 years old. He can still go for a couple matches, but if Sean wants to go out there and with his bald head and wants to and wants to come out of retirement, then then, then so be it. I don't know. You mentioned Goldberg. That's a different story. I mean, Goldberg did not take a bump for the first six months he was with the company. So I mean, that's a little different. I mean, he was never really. He was going in there having 90 second squashes. Shawn Michaels, people expect a lot more out of yeah. than, than Goldberg or really anyone else they brought back because the guy was amazing. The thing is, is that, you know what? I'm glad it's in this type of environment just because I feel like if he went in there 
and you had a match with either AJ mm-hmm. or Joe or Gargano or Rollins or Brian or whoever. Yeah. And it was a good match, but not a great match. It would really hurt Michaels' confidence, and it would really let people down. But the thing here is that here, it's really the bar is set pretty low. I'm not going to lie to you. True. I know him and Taker had two of the greatest matches in WWE history. They're fucking 10 years older now. So let's not expect an instant classic here. Kane's involved. Triple H is involved. The guy's not amazing. Triple H is pretty good. He's not a he's not a miracle worker. I cannot name one amazing DX tag team match. Let's just say that much. So with this match for me, the bar set pretty low. If he does better than expected, not regardless of whether he does better than expected or not, I think he's going to wrestle more. And quite honestly, I hope he does. And I told you this a couple weeks ago, Randy, but I hope he goes all the way. Mm. Either he doesn't wrestle anymore, like he doesn't come out of retirement, or you wrestle like at least five matches. You don't do this one-and-done type shit, which fucking the Brothers of Destruction, that was a dream match 20 years ago. I, I don't know. I just really... And I say, what purpose does it serve? I'm the same person who would have loved to have seen Undertaker and Sting. That was more of a dream match. This really isn't that much of a dream match. Like it's two iconic tag teams, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. I really don't think it's worth Michaels coming out of retirement for, but if it does lead to more matches down the road, I'm all for it. We'll see how he does. I can't really poop on it until we see what happens. But the thing with Michaels, and I know you said you're gonna, you got to give him their time, and it's only a one-and-done type thing maybe and whatever. And um, you know, It's not like it's for a world championship or whatever, which is true. At the same time, though, it's like we, we've gotten this before. You you did give them their moment. WrestleMania 28 was, was what that should have been. It should have been the end of an era with, with Undertaker and Triple H. And you got you struck while the iron was hot. I wasn't even looking forward to that match back then because mm-hmm. I was like, we've seen this a million fucking times. And that was in 2012. But to their credit, they exceeded expectations and had, uh, I don't want to say Taker's last great WrestleMania match because the match with him and Punk was great, too one of his last great WrestleMania matches. That match was awesome. From an in-ring standpoint, eh, not really, but from a storytelling standpoint, it was phenomenal. It's eight, six years later, six, seven years later, will it be as good? I honestly don't think so. You throw Kane in there, Kane has not had a good match in really his entire <laughs> career. He's had a couple good ones. Kane's not known for instant classics. Hey, just, hey, you're, talk- you're talking about the mayor of Knoxville now. Be That's true. I don't want him to uh, ban me from Knoxville, so I should probably watch my words, but uh, we'll see. I mean, but uh, you- What I'm trying to say is that they, they did give these guys their last huzzah, their last hurrah mm. a number of years ago. I just feel like at this point, they're just milking it for all it's worth for another fucking DX reunion. Like, I don't know. All I feel right. like been there, done that. We got to move on. And I know it's more so it, it is the company's fault. You really can't blame anyone but the company, mm-hmm. but if it wasn't for the fucking Saudi Arabians offering WWE so much money to get Sean out of retirement, then this may not be happening. Really, at the end of the day, that's the reason why. This has been in the works now because it wasn't – this was rumored back in like June after it became clear that they were doing more than one Saudi Arabia show in the same year. And that was when initially got the rumors got started. Hey, we want Shawn Michaels on the show. Can you make it happen? Well, Vince offered him enough money. Now he's back. It makes me scared – that they're going to have if – if, uh, if a country can offer the company enough money for them to have a certain person on their show, that's fucking scary. Like it's been rumored The Rock might be at the next Saudi Arabia show as the world champion. 
there's honestly a very good possibility really? of that happening. I think there's a good chance Rock's coming back anyway for WrestleMania next year. Yeah. Who's to say he does not come in at WrestleMania 35 and beat Roman Reigns for the fucking Universal Championship? That's yeah, right. he may lose it a month later, but it's like that does not send a good message at all about your current roster. I mean, if they're just asking know. for people who aren't, haven't been in on the roster in years, let alone have been dead for 20 years. I think the big thing about the last Saudi Arabia show was that they wanted Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior. It's like, does the guy not... I mean, obviously, he doesn't watch the product, but how out of touch can you be to want two guys who have been dead for decades, at least in Yokozuna's case? Um, I don't know. I just thought that was ridiculous. So that, that's it's pretty sad. They're relying, they're, they're basing their creative decisions off of how much money they're being offered by a third world country. That is very depressing. So you so. don't, you don't, you, you know, you don't think there's a chance that, all right, let, let, let's fantasy book this real quick. We, we get the tag match of Crown Jewel, DX, and Kane and Taker. Um, let's just say, because, it is rumored that Sean and Taker are going to go at it at Survivor Series. That's the rumor. I don't believe it. We'll see what happens. Let's just say, all right, HBK and Taker at Survivor Series. So you so you mean to tell me that there's no chance that Sean, if he does have one more match after that, that it can't be against AJ, that it can't be against Seth Rollins, it can't be against Daniel Bryan? I'm asking because... In the event AJ drops the belt to Daniel Bryan or The Miz, we're going to get a Miz-Daniel Bryan program on SmackDown. There's nothing left for AJ Styles at the moment. He's not. He, let's, let, let's just say he's not world champion right now. If Sean fights Taker at, at Survivor Series and not like wait to WrestleMania, what's the prognosis or what's the possibility of Sean having a fight, or a, a wrestling match, at a WrestleMania against AJ Styles, which is a match that people would would, would want to see more than Sean versus Taker for what the third time at WrestleMania. It don't it don't, it it don't bother it, it it don't matter to me as long as I see Sean back in the ring. But I think if you can get him against Taker one time, get that out the way, and then him against the young guy, and then you know the young guy getting over, then I think that would satisfy the the, the fans more as opposed to Sean saying I'm gonna come back. For Cannon Taker, and then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Taker one more time, and then I'm out of here. Because if you fight Taker, my thing is this: Taker has to put the, the stipulation where if you beat me, I retire myself. You can't come back and fight Taker and beat him. All right, I'm cool, and then Taker comes back the following year. I mean, th- that's just the way I see it. I agree with that, but that's not happening. It's not. I mean, we've seen this before. Taker should have retired at least five different times in the last five years, which should be enough evidence that he's not retiring anytime soon. I don't know if it's his decision. I don't know if it's the company's decision. Mm. I don't know if Vince wants to keep bringing him back because they have no one else to rely on. I don't know. I am, I am not banking on Taker retiring anytime soon. Dude, he's wrestled five, uh, four or five matches this year. That's to me seems like he's in this for at least a couple more years. I know there was a report circulating a couple months ago saying that Taker is like on this new schedule where they expect him to wrestle another like three or four times every year and not just WrestleMania. Wow. Shouldn't it be the reverse? Like, wasn't he wrestling one match a year a couple years ago? Now he's getting older. He's wrestling more like that makes no sense. And the matches aren't even that good. The thing with the Taker Sean match, 
I like the tag team match because you get the interaction without doing the singles match. Mm. The singles match will not be in the WrestleMania 25-26 level. No. Taker's not jumping over any ropes anymore. The guy would break the other fucking hip that he didn't break before. He'd break every bone in his body. Sean, I'm sure, is on. he's pretty fragile, too. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of doing another match. Because the thing is, like you said, Sean wins. Who cares? What does that solve? That solves nothing. Undertaker already lost to Triple H. Is he going to lose to Sean, too? The guy's going to come across like a loser. And I'm not going to say Undertaker means nothing. I mean, he's the Undertaker. He's the fucking Undertaker. But it's like, okay, so both the X members beat Taker one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Taker's got to get his win back eventually, you would think. I don't know. Just uh, To me, there's no there's no logical outcome to this. I can see, I, I, I guess, DX can win in Saudi Arabia. The, if Taker and Kane win, that's fine as long as one of them pins Triple H. If one of them pins Shawn Michaels, if this is Shawn's final match, then you pin Shawn because he's not coming back. But I, I'm, I'm going off the assumption that it won't be. But then again, this fucking company brought in Sting, had him lose his debut match, thinking that would be his last match, and then brought him back to fight for the world title six months later. So this company makes no sense. We know this. Okay, so let, 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 let's say they do the tag match, but then they don't do a singles match with Sean and Taker, and they just... Sean End just, it there. Yeah. Either, A, you end it there... Or you, you you build that thing up where AJ wants to fight Sean or Seth or Daniel Bryan, and then you get that dream match. Sean loses at WrestleMania to to AJ Styles. Then Sean is out of here because now people you know people are gonna complain. Well, it, it you know yeah you could bring the old guys back, but let them let them lose to the the new guys. Sure, okay. If Sean does a job to AJ, I would assume everybody will be happy about that, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't bring Sean back. If he's going to be back for, like, let's say four or five times, like, let's say he's back for a couple more matches, mm-hmm. you can't have him lose every time. True. Because then you're in a J- Chris Jericho situation where you put everyone over, then you're not special anymore. Sean Michaels is already, he's already, like, at that, I'm not saying he's not special, but it's like the the announcement on Monday was cool, but it's like that should, people, really, I know, I know it was obvious he was wrestling again, that really should have packed more of a punch. The guy has not wrestled in eight years. Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest of all time. Why did that feel like just another Raw segment? That should feel like one of the all-time like great Raw moments, like Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement. Holy shit. Like, that's a big, that's a big moment. Mm. Like, when he came out of retirement the first time, dude, he came out of retirement after four years, and it felt like a big moment. It should have felt like a bigger moment on Monday than it did. It was a cool moment, but it didn't feel like I was watching history unfold on Monday when DX reformed. It was like, oh, okay, cool, see you in Saudi Arabia. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're, they got to tread lightly with this shit. Because maybe that's why. Did they know that if he's coming back at, 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 the, at the Crown Jewel Saudi Arabia pay-per-view fans but uh, now if you said uh dx is ready for you guys at survivor series or the royal rumble or wrestlemania it's a bigger feel plus i feel like if taker and kane was in the ring with with him at the same time and he said that you probably would have got a bigger pop for sure i have no doubt about that if we had that same you know the confrontation we got a few weeks ago or about a month ago with sean and taker when taker was like oh you retired because you're scared of me or whatever If Sean said there, you know what? I'll step back in the ring. I'll fight you, bitch. Like, I'll fight you fucking Saudi Arabia. I'll fucking crown jewel, you little bitch. It's like, oh, shit. Like, here we go. Like, dude, that would have been cool. I mean, he wasn't going to say it then. They were building the Undertaker and Triple H at that point. But, yeah, that's how you set it up. Again, what they did on Monday was fun. I'm not complaining. But it's like, 
it, they, they there are better ways to do it, like you said. So I know, but I, going back to the original point, I think Sean and AJ is a great idea. I really do. I honestly think it could be the equivalent. I mean, not really. I mean, Sean's twelve years older now, but I honestly think it could be the equivalent to what we almost got between Sean and Eddie at WrestleMania 22 before Eddie died. I don't know if that was ever set in stone. That's just a rumor that that match was supposed to happen. And honestly, I believe it because they started setting up Sean and fucking Vince McMahon at WrestleMania soon, like right after Eddie died, because they were probably going to start setting up Sean and Eddie too as the interpromotional match for that year. And then Eddie died, so they had to change plans. I think AJ and Sean would be the, that's a WrestleMania match. It is. I don't know what else you would do at WrestleMania if it's, I mean, at this point for AJ, who else is there left for him? I mean, there's a couple more people he can face. He's already beaten Joe. He's already faced Nakamura. He's faced John Cena. Those are the biggest people he could have faced on SmackDown, aside from maybe Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Eh. I mean, that's a great feud, and I don't know if it's WrestleMania worthy. No. Uh, Daniel Bryan, we're getting that next month. See, um, that might who else? Be it. Finn Balor? What'd you say? No, I'm saying, see, that might be it. If you're that damn. No, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have AJ fight Shane, if you're going to have Shane and Daniel Bryan team up, and you're going to bring all these fucking part-timers back for WrestleMania, mm-hmm. quite honestly, if Brock was not back for Mania, I don't think I would care. I really don't. I love Brock, but same thing goes for him. What match makes sense to do with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? None, because he already beat everybody. So it's like at least with Shawn, there's a match that people want to see. And then he goes away. I mean, I guess he could be brought back on occasion if he wanted to come back. But, yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. At this point, I really hope that happens. I hope because he's coming back at the Crown Jewel show, I hope he comes back for the AJ match. If he wasn't coming back at Crown Jewel, then no, because I want him retired. I want him to stay retired. But, no, he's coming out of retirement. So, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go all the way with it. Have him face AJ because it's now or never. And if AJ can't get a great match out of him, no one will. So I think that's that, that would be the match I would do at WrestleMania. I got it, man. It's, it's going to be Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania against Batista. Brock Lesnar <laughs> and Batista? I mean, hey. I mean, has that match ever happened before? Okay, Randy. I'll say this. <laughs> One, yes, in OVW. Uh, not on the main roster. Uh-huh. Two, I'm. you think I'm going to poop on it? I'm actually not going to poop on that just oh, because okay. I think that might actually – I'm not saying it's going to be an instant classic. It'd probably be shit, but it's a fresh match, mm-hmm. and Batista is a legit threat to Brock Lesnar. So, yes, I've said that for years that yeah. I would love to see Batista and Brock. They teased it one week on Raw when Batista first came back, and he, I think he just won the Rumble, and Brock was out there, and they were like, they all wanted a shot of the championship. I think Orton was out there, too. They were all the class of OVW02 or whatever it is. And they teased him. People were like, there was a buzz. And then they went in a different direction, and Brock faced Taker instead. Like, who cares? So I, I thought Batista and Brock was the direction they might go in. Maybe they were testing the waters for it, but then Batista left, and we never got it. Um, he never came back. So the thing is with that match, would I want to see it? Yes. Will it happen? No. And I'll tell you why. Batista went on Triple H's, or not Triple H's, Chris Jericho's podcast okay. about a year and a half ago. And Chris Jericho asked him, would you ever come back? And Batista said, absolutely, but under the right circumstances. I want a match with Triple H. And Jericho's like, are you sure? Like, there's no one else in the current roster that you wouldn't want to, like, is there anyone in the current roster you don't want to face? Like, he's like, not really. Like, I don't see me versus Roman Reigns or me versus blah, blah, blah being a money match. And even Jericho brought up himself, like, 
what about Brock Lesnar? That to me would be a cool fight. Like two hosses going at it. That'd be awesome. Batista's like, eh, not really. That's not really something that interests me. I really don't want to go in there and get beat up. And I honestly don't blame the guy. Batista would probably get fucking concussed if he's getting <laughs> tossed around by Brock Lesnar. So I think Batista's only wrestling what they want him. He's not going to do what they tell him to do. He's only going to he's he's going to have to agree to whatever match he is brought back for. And I don't think the match with Brock is going to happen. So I mean, I guess it could. Yeah, it could happen. I don't foresee it happening, though, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be for the universal title, but yeah, you you know, you never know. It could be Brock and Batista. Again, we're talking about something happening in March or April. We're trying to fantasy book this, but. Um, I think it it just it just be it'll just be very interesting to see what these next couple of shows are going to to look like with Evolution with Crown Jewel, aka King of the Ring, just not called King of the Ring, and <coughs> I would say Survivor Series because you know they're already they're already promoting Royal Rumble in Phoenix, so uh, that, that kind of leads you to think that that Daniel Bryan's gonna win the Rumble. Uh, in, in his hometown, not a hometown, but that's where he lives now. But yeah, um, I mean, very interesting Raw and SmackDown, very interesting Super Showdown. I gotta check out that Buddy Murphy Cedric match, and we're on the road to Evolution. I think that's later on this month in Long Island, here in New York. So, um, so yeah, man, we we got a lot of shows coming up, buddy. Yeah, I got smacked in 1,000 next week, so looking forward to watching that, Damn, talking about that week. here next week on the show. Like you said, Evolution, Crown Jewels days later. So we have Evolution on Sunday, Crown Jewel on that Friday, and then Survivor Series like three weeks after that. So wow. it's a busy fucking month and a half between all That's these right. shows. But uh, yeah, hopefully, as long as they're good, then I don't care. <laughs> like the thing with these shows is that a lot of them really aren't that good. Mm. Super Showdown was a waste of time overall. And that wasn't really a pay-per-view. It was more of a televised house show, so I get it. Right. I'm hoping Evolution is good. I'm hoping Crown Jewel is good. I don't think Crown Jewel is going to be great. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I don't want to poop on it until it happens, but I'm not optimistic. they got to convince me. The thing is, is that we get a good week of TV. Raw is better than usual on Monday. SmackDown was pretty good tonight. They gotta maintain momentum. I feel like they freaking blow their load all with one show, and then for the following three weeks, there's nothing but boring television. Mm. At least with Raw, SmackDown's good. Raw, eh? There has not been a great episode of Raw in months, if not all year. So that that's the problem with Raw, and hopefully they can get back on track or at least maintain this momentum going in through the remainder of 2018. Last one, Graham. The main event of uh, okay, okay, real quick. The main event of Evolution will be. Ronda Nikki. I think Ronda is their biggest name, and mm-hmm. I, I'd be shocked if there's anything else. Charlotte and Becky deserve the top spot because mm-hmm. it's going to be a much better match yeah. by a fucking country mile. But Ronda Nikki is, it's their Brock and Roman. Nikki mm-hmm. and Ronda are their fucking Brock and Roman. Ronda's the big UFC name that people know, and Nikki Bella's their big homegrown star. I'm not going to say Nikki Bella's going to win. That'd be stupid. Right. That'd be incredibly stupid. But that that's essentially the equivalent of Roman Reigns and Brock. Hopefully it's better than what we saw at SummerSlam. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think that match is closing out the show. And the main event of Crown Jewel will be... It's got to be the tag team match. I hate to say it because it's probably going to be shit. But, <laughs> I mean, Roman, Brock, and Lesnar... I mean, Roman, Brock, and Strowman, excuse me. I mean, that could be good. I feel like Brock is much better in three ways than he is one-on-one usually, at least with Roman and Braun, because their matches were shit. Mm. But if they have, like, three ways, then it could be good. But I feel like Shawn Michaels is coming back to wrestling. How does that not mean about the show? If Taker and 
Triple H main evented Super Showdown. There's no way they're not main eventing Crown Jewel. So that that's that seems to be a slam dunk to me. Graham Matthews, always a pleasure. You can find Graham Matthews on Twitter at Russell Rant. Great work for Bleacher Report. You can find me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find the podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control. You can rate, comment, download, subscribe to us on iTunes. We also have two out of three falls t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. We're also on Patreon at uh, Patreon.com slash Cruise Control. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Randy. Always great being here on the show. I'll talk to you next week, my man. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.